Hi, I'm Brett Johnson, former United States Most Wanted cyber criminal, now good guy, and host of The Brett Johnson Show. Today's episode is episode number 84. We've got Monroe Myers. We're sitting down, we're talking to him. It's a prison politics episode, which means that Monroe has served significant prison time. The man has served a lot of his life behind the fence. We sit down, we talk to him about how he's turning his life around. And notice I said turning his life around because it's a continuing process. I served seven and a half years. I continue to turn my life around every single day. It's a process. So we sit down, we talk about that. But make no mistake, this is also what you're going to find out during this show is this is this is a lot of the ways that inmates talk with each other. We we bullshit around. We shoot the shit. And that's exactly what Monroe and I do in this episode. So without further ado, Episode 84 of the Brett Johnson Show, Monroe Myers. Enjoy. Monroe! Hey, what's up, man? Dude, I apologize about being late. I I was I had a I had an interview at four o'clock, and oh. I, I'm sure you have encountered this bullshit too of these people who claim they are something and are not. <laughs> hey, man, look. I learned that a long time ago, man. In prison, you could be what you have, whatever you want to be. I don't know. I know. Lawyers, knots, everything in there. Dude, this this <laughs> guy talked for two fucking hours, and you talk about just full of shit. Uh, claimed to be this uh, this tra this drug trafficker, meth, uh, coke, heroin, oxycotton, right, and all that stuff. And I was like, and the only thing he's ever been charged with is, a, is supposedly a federal misdemeanor, and I'd never even heard of that bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think the feds messed with misdemeanors. Yeah, I didn't think they did either. <laughs> I, I thought that I thought they were looking for bigger fish to fry. Yeah, exactly. They don't they don't do that small time bullshit, man. Right. <laughs> so how you doing tonight? Oh, I'm good. I'm good, man. So I'm where good. are you, dude? I'm in Louisiana. I'm actually staying in uh Franklinton now. I was born and raised in New Orleans. Though. Well, I heard that accent and I was like, man, that sounds just like Louisiana. <laughs> Yeah, I got out when I got out this last time in 2021. Um, my mom and them actually lost everything in Katrina in 2005. I got and they moved to North Shore up here in Franklinton. And uh, when I got out in 21, I've been out here since. Okay. I'm loving the country life right now. How long were you down, man? <laughs> um, all together, I did 19. I did 12 years, nine months on my first dose, which was uh, September of 98 to December of 2010. God damn. Then I went back. I went back in 12 on a new charge but it was basically a parole violation yeah um they 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 got me for a syringe and some stuff that was left in the hotel room that the little chick i was messing with left in the room right and um they arrested me i think that was april of 2012 i got out july of 13 really all i did was 15 months on that and then i went back in 16 and did another five and got out in 21 you just you just um, didn't have enough time you wanted to come back and visit the guys Oh man, it's just this drugs, man. It's drugs. But I've been clean now. I've been clean now since October of sixteen. So I'm, I'm good, good deal, now. man. Yeah, you're doing all right now. Yeah, yeah. So was it always good, was it always just drug good. use, man, or what? Um, it started out as drug use. Um, my first conviction was uh actually aggravated burglary. A guy I basically grew up with. Um, me and him. I don't know if you remember the rave scene in the mid nineties. I do. But, uh, me and him started selling a bunch of tabs, and we was getting them from a guy that I knew that was getting them from Amsterdam. They were the Rolls Royces. I, so they were the good shit. 
Bro, they were the good shit. Yeah. And um, we were moving a lot of pills, but we weren't making any money. We were making money, Brett, but we were spending it quicker than we were making it. I mean, I we were you. pulling up. We were pulling up to the state palace in a stretch limo with our whole clique. You know what I'm saying? We were renting the top floor, the whole top floor of the landmark hotel for the after party. Like it was just, it was there, but it was gone. You know, well, as quick as I, we I could. Know. I know. I when I was uh, when I was stealing money, man, I didn't respect the money either. You know, it right, disappears right, as fast right. as you get it. <laughs> yeah, you don't respect it. It comes and goes so quick. But That's um. It. He had actually, he had actually kind of went under on me on some shit, and I found out about it, and he moved, and I felt like he owed me about thirty thousand, which he probably didn't. Maybe he did. You know, we were eighteen years old, and um, about six months later, I found out where he moved to, and I went and kicked in his door and kind of roughed him up a little bit, and uh, that's what I did my first. That's what I did my eighty-five percent of fifteen on. I did twelve years, nine months on that. Did you do state time, man? Yes, I did all state time. Nothing where'd you, fed. Where'd you pull your time? Uh, let's see. I started off in Cottonport. I did from 98 to 04 in Cottonport. I left Cottonport in 04 and went to uh, the police barracks, which is in Baton Rouge. We yeah. actually worked. I, I, I lucked up because I got in school in Cottonport for diesel technology. And um, once I got ASP certified as a mechanic, um, I actually had the colonel at Cottonport at the time. I was working on his crew, and uh, he actually talked to the captain. This is hard to get in the police barracks. I've been writing letters every once a week for three or four years, and I couldn't get pulled. And um, the colonel at Cottonport talked to the captain at the police barracks, and he helped me get over there. We was working on all the state trooper cars. Um, I did from 04 to 07 there and got popped on a dirty, uh, dirty UA in 07 there. I went to Hunts. I stayed at Hunts 07, 09. Then um, I left Hunts and went to Beauregard. Yeah. Then I went to the work release. Got popped on a breathalyzer at the work release, coming in drunk one day. And I finished out that that Joe's at Fort Wade, way up north of Louisiana. I got you. Uh, my second one I did um, in St. Tammany Parish. And my third one I basically did in St. Tammany Parish, Angola, and Concordia. How was Angola, man? Um, Angola wasn't bad. I actually wasn't there for long. Um, what had happened, I was at Concordia, and I was the head mechanic over the shop. See, that's the thing. Once I got AIC certified, yeah, doing time became real easy for me. Okay. Because I could, I could write any camp, or I could write wherever I wanted to go and send them my, my AIC certificates. You know, every camp, dude, they got, if it's not, if it's not a, a sheriff's office where they actually run in street units, right. they got transport buses, they got transport vans, you know, they're always looking for a good mechanic. So once I got AIC certified, it, it just, it got to where I could basically put myself in a position where I wanted to be somewhere. I mean, that's pretty damn you know, sweet, whatever. you know? Right. And um, when I went to Angola, I was at Concordia. I was the head mechanic over there, actually the only mechanic over there at the time. And um, James LeBlanc come to the shop one day. They were actually thinking about opening up a school, an automotive school in Concordia. James LeBlanc is the secretary of DOC in Louisiana. Um, he come there one day and he was talking to my boss and my boss told him, well, yeah, he, he's one test away from being a master certified in diesel and one test away from being a master certified in auto. <laughs> so James LeBlanc called me over there. He says, man, what you think about running this? Uh, if we open up a school here, what do you think about teaching guys? I said, well, I can do that. Well, shit. Yeah. He said, well, look, he said, that's what we're going to do. He said, we, he said, when you get out and at the time, dude, I wasn't supposed to make parole till 2026. Okay. They had my parole date wrong. And um, he said, when you get out, I said, 2000, I said, I go up for parole in 2026. I said, my full term is 2036. 
He's like, well, he said, I'll tell you this much. He said, if you decide to do this for me and run this school here, he said, when you go up a parole in 26, he said, I pretty much guarantee you'll make it. Sweet. I said, okay. And he says, well, this is what we're going to do. He says, we're going to send you to Angola for a couple months. You know, they got a reentry program in Angola. He says, I'm going to let you follow this, uh, let you follow the guy, the instructor over there around for a couple months and learn how he does his paperwork and how he gives his pretest. And then uh, we'll get you back over here. We'll apply for the grant and we'll get everything rolling. Well, by the time I left to go to Angola, DOC had changed my parole date from 2026 to like, let me see, when I talked to James LeBon about that, that was at the beginning of 18. Okay. Because Well, mid-18, because I went to Angola um, November of 18, right? Thanksgiving week, they shipped me to Angola. Right. And um, before I got shipped to Angola, in between the time I talked to James LeBlanc and got everything set up, they had changed my parole date from uh, 2026 to like 2020, you know? So now I'm looking at like, now I'm looking at like 16 months from the time I go to Angola to the time I go out. So I'm a short timer in Angola with all these guys that's doing life. You know, and uh, I didn't stay that long. I stayed there about three months and okay. then, uh, you know, I went back to Concordia and I ended up by making parole on it. So that's all right, man. It's pretty damn sweet. So, because, you, I mean, I work right see, now. Actually, I'm a crane. I work on cranes right now. The company I work for, I kind of switched out of the mechanic trade and um, got an offer at this company that builds pedestal cranes from the ground up. All right. And, I started about a year ago in the assembly shop and I've moved up to service. Now I'm on service. Now I do a uh, crane installation, crane inspection and um, repairing cranes like on, in the field. You're doing all right, man. You, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, You're doing all right. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, bro. I can't, I can't complain, bro. You know, <laughs> so, but, um, so the, the, the aggravated robbery, had you, had uh, you been aggravated burglary? Had you been in trouble before or not, man? I mean, I know you were slinging, uh, slinging at the raves and everything like that, but did you ever been in any trouble uh, before? Honestly, honestly, yeah. Let me. My my dad was a a commercial fisherman my whole life. Okay. And around around eleven or twelve years old, he started running the offshore guide service. So he started taking these judges and these DAs and these attorneys all offshore fishing, right? So, you know, I hit my teens, dude, and like everybody else, I start running with the wrong crowd, and I start messing up, and it's one thing after another. I'm going to jail for this. I'm going to jail for that. Well, at first, it was cool. My dad get one of these judges to put a signature bond on me, and two weeks, when I leave the jailhouse, you know, they give me a piece of paper saying I had to be in court in two weeks. Right. A couple of days later, my dad hit my beeper up, because, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then. You know, my dad called my beeper and I called the house and they'd be like, hey, that court date they gave you when you left, don't worry about it. Throw that shit away. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, it got to the point, dude, the last time before I caught this aggravated burglar, my dad come got me out. And it took him a little bit longer than usual to come get me out. And uh, when I got in the truck, he was like, man, I'm letting you know, bro, I'm running out of favors. He's like, the shit. He's like, these people are tired of putting their name underneath yours. And two weeks later, you back in here with some dumb shit. Um, I'm looking at him. I'm like, man, you take these people fishing, dude. You're not running out of favor. <laughs> you know <laughs> where the fishing holes are. Come on, man. <laughs> them, them favors don't run out, you know. But sure enough, dude, when I uh, when I caught this last one, dude, he yeah, he tried. He tried to get it dropped down from uh from the 15. They weren't coming off of it. Um, that's just like when I caught this 20 that I'm I'm basically doing parole on now. Yeah. Uh, the judge I had, dude, they flattened me out. They gave me 20 flat. I'm supposed to still be in jail till 2036. Good Lord, man. Saved me. 
What saved me is about two months before my sentence, and man, they had a, a, a legislative session, and Louisiana changed the law to where if you're a non-violent offender, not mm-hmm. not a violent offense throughout your old jacket, if you're on a non-violent offense, and you do 25% of your time, you can go up for parole. That's pretty And when sweet, they man. offered me, I had a state attorney, dude, and when they offered me the 20 flat that day, they were ready to go to trial. Like, they had the, the detectives, the drug task force, everybody that was there. And um, my state, my state attorney, he told me, he's like, dude, he's like, if you take this 20 flat, because I was, I was straight up, I, I was ready to go to trial. 20 yeah. flat, I was only in my 30s, you know what I'm saying? No. And uh, he's like, man, if you take this 20 flat, he said, you'll get a parole date in five years. I said, man, I don't believe you. I said, they <laughs> I don't believe you. So he took out his cell phone in court, bro, and he pulled up. It's actually Senate Bill 139, and I remember it to this day, is what the, the Senate bill is. And he pulled it up, and I read it. And sure you got to sign on that shit. Said nonviolent offenders get eligible for parole at twenty five percent. So you know, I went in there and, dude, I'm, I'm good under supervision. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm good under parole and I'm good in prison. But dude, as soon as the supervision's gone, I'm uh, it's something else, bro. You know? <laughs> guess, as long as it got I, eyes on me, I'm all right. right. I'm like a dog, bro. I won't chew up your shoes, bro, until you go outside or you go to bed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> It's over with after that. <laughs> no, hell, I would have signed on that shit too. You give me a parole date in five years? Yeah, let's let's sign right. off on that right now. Well, look, dude, I was surprised when I made it because actually when I went up for parole in 21, bro, which I had did, you know, I had I, the whole five years from October 16 to October 21, dude, I didn't yeah. have no write-ups. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I did what I was supposed to do, bro. I took all the little classes, you know, that I needed to take yeah. and I did everything to do but when i went up in front of the parole board in 21 i sat down and uh the woman that runs the parole board i don't remember her name i don't recall it but she says mr meyer she says um she says i'm kind of in a bind right now she says i got three opposite three opposing letters for you sitting right here she said one of them she said that's from the da she said i can understand that she said the da opposes everybody we bring up in front of the board she said she said that doesn't bother me she said, the other two kind of got me perplexed a little bit. She said, I've never had the captain of a drug task force write an opposing letter. She said, I've never had the judge, the sentencing judge, write an opposing <laughs> letter. So I'm looking at her, and I, I mean, she done told me she's got these three opposing letters, Bretton, in the back of my mind. I'm like, well, there goes me going home today. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm not about to vote against me. You know, they got three opposing letters, the judge, the DA, and, and the captain for the drug task force. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm, guess I'm dead on that. <laughs> uh, sure enough, they granted me, dude. I, it, it surprised me. You know? Yeah, yeah. So what did you do to piss the judge and the de- and the task force off? Okay, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Let me start off by saying I'm not a dumb fellow. I'm, I'm I know smart you're not. I know that I'm by talking to you. And I'm, and I'm book smart. Well, what happened is sitting in the parish jail, I got my hands on a pretrial formulary which has skeleton motions of basically everything from uh bail reduction to a motion of discovery to motion of suppress evidence i mean it had <laughs> 200 skeleton motions in this uh in this pretrial formulary my cousin actually sent it in to me right but, hey man I'm sitting, I'm sitting in there with nothing to do a bunch of time on my hand i started writing motions for handwriting motions for everybody that was in the dorm with me you know and one of the guys went to court one day and i'm also writing motions on, on my behalf you know, 
And one of the guys went to court one day in my in my courtroom, and by this time, Judge Gardner, you know, he didn't recognize my handwriting. He told the other little guy, he's like, man, he's like, uh, he's like, you can go ahead and tell Mr. Myers over there he can stop writing these motions because he's really <laughs> filling up my clerk and court office. <laughs> That that was the beginning of the iceberg. The second part of the iceberg was this is what really pissed him off. Um, me and my co-defendant, you know, felt at the same time. <laughs> it was my girlfriend at the time. And she ended up by talking to the state attorney, the state appointed attorney first. Okay. Uh, by that happening, the state attorney's office couldn't represent me because it would be conflict of interest. So they had to give me a pro bono. Well, that's why I had originally got the pretrial formulary because it had been 90 days and I still hadn't seen a pro bono. Ah, okay. So I filed a motion of discovery and I also filed a motion to be appointed a pro bono attorney. Right. So when I go into court to fight those motions, um, the state attorney stood up and he come talk to me. He's like, look, man, he's like, I can't really represent you on these motions. He's like, because I'm representing your co-defendant. He said, but I will speak up and talk for you today. He says, man, he says, I don't know why you didn't get a pro uh, pro bono yet. And he says, somebody at my office dropped the ball. He's like, but I will get it right. So they call my number and he stands up and he's like, your honor, he says, I want to apologize. He says, um, you know, we're, we're representing Mr. Myers as co-defendant. He's like, Mr. Myers should have had a pro bono attorney. My office cannot represent him. He's like, somebody at my office must have dropped the ball. It's been 90 days. He's like, I'm going to... um." You know, he says, when I get back to the office, I'm going to file for the pro bono and we're going to take this, you know, we'll, we'll get it straight. He says, as for the motion of discovery, he says, I don't think Mr. Myers uh, is capable of arguing that motion himself because he's not a qualified attorney. He's like, we'll wait till he gets the pro bono attorney and we'll bring him back for the motion of discovery. So the judge was like, OK, that's fine. So I raised my hand. I said, Your Honor, can I, um, you know, can I speak? He says, yeah, Mr. Myers, you stand up. I said, well, first of all, I said, I feel like you're violating my constitutional rights. I said, and I feel like I'm being forced into self-representation. He's like, he, he's like, you're not being forced into self-representation. He's like, there's no way I would let you represent yourself in this courtroom. Well, you know, they got spectators in the court, civilians. Right. Both of these motions I filed were per, pro se. So I said, well, I said, with that being said, Your Honor, that you wouldn't let me represent myself in your courtroom. I turned around and I looked at all the spectators in the court. I said, I want y'all to understand a pro se motion is a motion that I handwritten by myself. I turned back around. I looked at the judge. I said, your honor, I said, you just told me you wouldn't let me represent myself in your courtroom. I said, but I'm on your docket today for two motions that I filed pro se. I said, if that's not self-representation. Can you please tell me what is? <laughs> he put his glasses down to the tip of his nose and he said, Mr. Myers, he said, be very, very, very careful how you proceed in my courtroom. I said, that's all I had to say, your honor. And I sat down. But that day right there, just, it, I mean, I made him look like an ass, basically. Oh, yeah. Because he told, me, he told me he wouldn't let me represent myself, but yet I'm on your docket for two motions that I hand wrote, and I'm in here representing myself. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you, you just like to piss everybody off. That's what it is. Hey, you remember that Dennis Leary song, I'm an asshole? That's my, that's, <laughs> I uh, my remember that. <laughs> I try not to be, you know, but when I wake up in the morning, I kind of, Sit here and drink my coffee and wonder who I can piss off throughout the day. <laughs> I tell you, man, you you that comment you said, you know, when you're under supervision, I, I served time with many a man who they were just fine in prison. Yeah, right. <laughs> Me too. They were angels in there. Exactly. As soon as they get off competition, <laughs> they just fuck up as soon as they get outside the gate. Right. No, well, I'm good outside the gate as long as I'm on parole. I mean, 
<laughs> good. But really, dude, one thing that's keeping me out, I mean, every time I, every time my parole officer calls, I'm going to be honest with you, every time my parole officer calls me in to see, see her, I'm going to tell you what keeps me out. Every time she calls me in to see her, bro, I Google Louisiana starting salary for probation and parole. Their starting salary is 40000 a year. Do you realize before April of this year, I made 43000 So, like, I'm making five, <laughs> four times her wages in a year. So, I mean, I'm, I'm having, when I go in there and see her, I got a smile on my face. Like, oh, I you bet. know what I'm saying? I bet. <laughs> <laughs> You're outstanding, man. You are. You're fucking outstanding. I love it. This, this is so much better than that two-hour conversation. Right, <laughs> just right, right. before I signed on here. Hey man, that's a, that that and my puppies, bro. That's another thing that's keeping me out. Like, I got, got two American, I got two American bullies that I paid five thousand a piece for, and they uh, that 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 I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you, man. When I went in 2016, I had a rescue, a little pit bull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and, and she was my everything, bro. When I went to jail, she was actually the day I got arrested. She was actually. She had just got her leg amputated like a week before that because ah. she ran away from a friend of mine's house and got hit by a car. Okay. Well, she still had the stitches and the staples in her leg. And um, when I went to jail, dude, like, I don't know what happened to her. I don't know if she went, got adopted. I don't know if they put her down. I don't know what happened. Right. But I'm going to be honest with you, Brett. I missed that dog when I was in jail more than I missed my freedom, more than I missed my old lady at the time, more than I missed anything else. Dude, I get it. And, um, I get it. I really do. I was I've got a little animal here, my, here myself, man, and that, and that little son of a bitch. I, I love the shit out of that dog I've got. I really do. I was actually saving for a motorcycle at the time when I ran across this puppy, dude, and I seen her, and dude said 5000 And uh Mama, come see. Come here, Mama. Come see. Look. Oh, hell, man. How old are they? Uh, Mama just made a year, and... uh. Sissy is about four months younger than her. I bought Sissy, dude, because I sent Mama to school for uh, yeah. show dog training. Not from Mississippi. She was in. She was up there with a friend. Well, a friend of mine, but a guy that I met, and uh, he charged me nine hundred a month, bro, to send her to school, to, you know, for a show dog. Right. And while she was up there, she bonded with this other little puppy that he had because he breeds. You know, yeah, kind of, kind of like a sucker move. And when I went to go pick her up, he was like, "Hey, man, look how they bonded together." <laughs> I ended up by buying another damn dog. <laughs> you can't leave it. You got to take it. I can't. I couldn't do it, bro. My dog looked at me like she was like she lost her best friend the whole five hour ride home. You know the yeah. whole five yeah, hour I got, ride I got you. My my <laughs> wife is trying to talk me into a into a friend for the one we've got right now, and I keep saying no, but I know it's going to happen at some damn point. <laughs> right yeah it's got to yeah. yeah but the whole ride home dude, she just stared at me like that are you really taking me away from my sister that i just met and like i had to go back and get her well i, I guess you're like me man hell i prefer my damn animals over humans you know i really yeah, do most, most definitely, dude, you, can, most definitely. you can trust it's, those you know, damn things you know what it is brett bro it's just i don't you did fed time correct yeah i did seven and a half fed okay well i'm sure fed is a little bit more um, I want to say, I can't think of the word I'm thinking of, but it's easier like that this, Louisiana it's, time. Well, even in Louisiana time, dude, it's, it's, it's about respecting that. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. bump into somebody, it's, excuse me. You need to get somewhere. It's excuse me. It's thank you, please. You know what I'm saying? Even right. in the inmate population, bro, it, 
It's about respect, dude. And just yeah. out here, bro, it just I don't see it out, dude. On a daily basis, I run into somebody in this world that I really want to just slap the shit out of. I got you, man. I mean, that's uh, that's that's a big difference, right? I mean, in a bank and tractor supply. I mean, every yeah. day, bro, I run into somebody I want to slap the shit out of yeah. just because they don't. Dude, after doing 19 years, it's hard to lose that respect. It is. You know, and- it is. You know, I, that's one of the things I learned in prison. And that's I think that's a positive in prison is, by God, you start out giving respect. Now, you can lose that respect for somebody. Yeah. But by God, out of the gate, you respect somebody. And that right. does not happen in the free world at all. Yeah. At all. And you can lose it quick, depending on how you carry yourself in yeah. there. You know, you, you can lose it real quick. But um, I, I never did lose my respect in there. Um being 19 years in, um, I'm pretty much known by at least one person in every prison in this state. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I could get locked up tomorrow, and whatever camp they throw me at, when I walk down that main walk, somebody, hey, Monroe, you know, somebody's going to know me somewhere. Well, see, that's, I mean, <laughs> that's not a bad thing. You know, that's the thing is, is they know who you are. They know that they know how you carry yourself, stuff like that. Now, I'm not saying I hope you go back in. But no, no, no. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing at the same time, because, you yeah. know, my mom asked me, Brett, when I got out after, my, after I did my first Joe's bro, my 12 years, nine months and my 15. She asked me if I regretted it. And really, I don't. Because everything we go through in life makes us who we are today, you know, I agree. And who knows, dude? I, if I didn't go to prison when I was 18 years old, I might be out here sucking dick today. You know what I mean, I'm saying? There's some like, truth to that, man. I mean, that's uh, you know, I'm asked. I, I'm a I'm a popular guy in cyber, and uh, I, I do a lot of interviews. And a lot of those interviews ask, you know, would I take anything back? And and a lot of them get pissed off when I say no, I wouldn't, because it's exactly I'm what happy. you said. Everything that I've done, exactly. I'm happy with the man I am today, bro. That's I'm happy exactly with the right. morals. I have. I'm happy with the with the way I respect myself and the way I respect others. And I thrive every day, bro, to be a better person than I was the day before. Although I am a sarcastic asshole and I do like to piss people off. <laughs> no. I kind of even it out a little bit, I think, you know. But um, I'm happy with who I am today yeah, as man. a person. You know? Yeah. I mean, and that's what it's all knows, about. Uh, if I wouldn't have did that time in prison, that Brett, there's no telling who I'd be today. I mean, you you're know? right. You're right. I mean, we are uh, we're the product of every single person we meet, of everything that we do, or has 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 been done to us. And uh, yeah. I absolutely, I, I like who I am these days. And as as exactly. you know, I heard a lot of people, man, but I wouldn't take damn, I, I wouldn't take one damn thing back. I really wouldn't. Right. I can That's wake up in the morning and look in the mirror now and smile. That's well, it. Well, when I was a drug addict, uh, maybe not. Right. You know what I'm saying? But uh, because I, I was I was pretty much a loner when I was a drug addict, bro. And they say the person that does drugs alone hates the person they're doing drugs with. There's a lot of truth to that now. There's you know? <laughs> a lot of truth to it. Yeah. You know, but now, I mean, being clean, going on eight years, dude, I got a good job. I got my dogs. I got a, a little girlfriend that helps me take care of the dogs. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm content, dude. Like, life's where I wanted that right now. I you feel miss, like I'm winning. Uh, you miss the drugs at all, Monroe? Um, not really. I don't think about them too much when I miss them is when I have a, you know, I was an intravenous user, so I I, I use needles and dude, yeah. I have dreams sometimes that I actually, I feel like I'm high, like okay. my body will trick me to where I'll, I'll be dreaming and I think I'm high, 
And I'll wake up and be like, oh, wow, that was a fucking dream. <laughs> like, I mean, in my dreams, sometimes, dude, I, I do a shot and I feel the rush. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's hard to explain, you know. Um, like, you know, if you have a dream, you fall in, you feel like you're actually falling. Right. You know, it's it's kind of like that. And it's weird. And at those times when I wake up like that, yeah, I, I miss them sometimes. But uh, looking back as a whole, no, they took a lot of my life from me, man. No, I got you. I got you. And I, I, uh, I was very lucky. I, I, I avoided drugs. Should I just start? I, I was this clean criminal, man. I didn't start even start drinking until I was like 34. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's this dipshit right here, you know? I see you see me smoking. I'm, I'm still rolling my own cigarettes, man. <laughs> so, you, you can take the man out of the prison, but not the prison out of the man. <laughs> hey bro i got stuff you know man i still take off one 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 leg with my pants sometimes when i sit down in my bathroom and i got the door closed doing that yes yes <laughs> yes yes absolutely absolutely ain't nobody ain't nobody gonna sneak me in this motherfucker but i'm still taking one pant leg out just to be sure <laughs> well monroe man i mean you are i, I love the animals I love the attitude. I mean, you you seem to act like you got it going on right now, man. You truly do. Yeah, man. We're gonna, we're gonna have to hang out and go fishing one day, Brett. We're gonna have I like to, it. Uh, we're gonna have to hook up. I know you're in the South. We both in the Central Time Zone, bro. Yeah, I was I'm in over Troy, in Birmingham, Alabama. man. Oh shit! I was I was in Troy, Alabama, a couple months ago. Dog show, man. Saturday, dude. You come uh, back through Alabama. Yeah, you you've got a you've got a bunk you, right here at the house. No shit. All right. All right. Okay. That, that, that's Anytime you come man. through, you ring me up. And we'll do something. And I mean that. Yeah. I truly so we'll do. We'll go that. out to eat. We'll do something. Yeah, man. So anytime, I, you head this way, anytime you head this way, do the same thing. And, uh, and I, Louisiana's yeah. got us beat on food. You know that. Oh, most definitely. We got y'all beat <laughs> on the SEC football. We got y'all beat on baseball. We'll leave that conversation alone. Then, bro. Are you? <laughs> hey, hey, no shit. Are you guys going to do anything with football this year? I hope so. I do too. I do too. My my wife, my poor wife, man. I think we can whip Bama again like we did last year. You know, I I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. (laughs) Now, now my poor wife, though, she is an Auburn graduate, and I feel sorry for her every single day. I really do. So I'm from I'm from Kentucky originally, man, and uh, so when I married her, this woman, she's like, "You with the Wildcats? Yeah, the Wildcats. Wildcats. We don't know what a football is in Kentucky, right?" So, so she tells me when I marry her, you got to choose a team. It's Alabama or Auburn, and I graduated from Auburn. So today, I buy all this Alabama stuff. Now that I'm married to her, I'm like, I buy the Alabama shirts, the hats, everything else, and it pisses her the fuck off. And I just laugh all the way through, and I don't give a damn about the team at all. But uh, I, I do have fun watching Louisiana. Now, I, I do have fun doing that. You know, that uh, who was that coach, that uh, the Go Tigers guy? I love the shit out of him. Uh, one they fired. Less, uh, Nick Saban? Less Miles? No, no, no. The one before Miles. Or one right after Miles. The uh, um, won the championship at LSU. You know, he, he, had, well, that, he had that deep accent. You know, he always ended every every oh, interview. You're talking with about uh, Bergeron. You're talking That's about Bergeron. One. I love the shit out of that man. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I did. Right. And when it, when those pictures came out, and he had that little blonde with him, I didn't blame him one little bit. <laughs> Not a bit. Right. So, 
Well, dude, whenever you come from Louisiana, bro, we got the same deal, bro. You, uh, we'll hook up and go eat or do something. Well, dude, you I'm know? gonna take you up on that. No shit, I'm gonna take you up on that. Um, All right. You know, I, I, I'm doing these the, these interviews now, talking to, you know, I'm reaching out to former felons and everything, and uh, um, some of the conversations have been really good, like this one right here, that's, and that's, some of them have been shit. That's another thing I wanted to hit on. Um, that's another reason the colonel at Cottonport had helped me get to the police barracks. And I think I told you about this uh, when we were messaging back and forth on um, Facebook. Yeah. Um, when I was at Cottonport, we actually had a juvenile awareness program. Um, it was actually 13 members. It was a president and 12 members. Okay. Um, they were all handpicked by the warden. But what we used to do was uh, throughout the school year, the school, the area schools would bring field trips you know, to the prison, they tour around the prison and then they come in the visiting shed and they'd meet with the 13 members. And, um, we used to do skits, dude. We used to practice our ass off and do these little skits, like how easy it was to end up in prison. Right. You know, just, just little quick skits, a little 10, 15 minute skits, kind of keep the kids attention. And then we do one, we'd do a testimony. One guy would do it. One guy out the group would do a testimony and then we'd do a skit. Then we'd do another testimony. Then we'd do another skit. And then, uh, we do a question and answer session. Okay. You know, and um, dude, that group, like, I wish I could start something like that out here. Well, dude, why can't you? Dude, I, the support, I have to write, I have to do it under a nonprofit, bro. Would, you know, it's, yeah. I, I just, I don't have, I got to find the, the route that I got to take. And I have the, have the guys out here, bro, that, that would definitely do it. I got a good friend of mine. Actually, I met him while I was in Angola with Concordia. He was locked up for 32 years. Okay. And um, he had a 144-year sentence, and he made parole a year before me. And he's out now after doing 32 flat. Jesus. And, um, like, he, you know, I got, I have the, the structure and the guys that would definitely be interested in doing it to keep children from following in our footsteps. Yeah. I just don't know the legal route that I would have to take as far as getting the LLC, getting a nonprofit and actually having somebody support us that would actually go to these schools, you know what I'm saying? And to where we could get, actually get the walkthrough and get the access that we need. Well, Monroe, I don't know if they would look. Hey, hey, no shit about it, man. If, if you're serious about that, I could probably reach out to some people. I've, I've got these days, I've got a whole shitload of friends on law enforcement side and everything else. <laughs> so uh, I could probably reach I'm, out I'm, and, and try to get that st stuff rolling. Yeah, I'm definitely serious about it, Brett. I feel like I feel like if I could stop one child, bro, one kid from following in my footsteps and wasting yeah. 20 years of their life, yeah, then I feel like it'll all be worth it. You know what I'm saying? Even if I got to devote 20, 30 hours a week into this group on top of my working 40 hour a week job, but I feel like if I can do that, if I can, dude, if I could just reach out and touch one person with my testimony, and I mean, Brett, this was a quick talk for me and you. I got so yeah. much stuff that I left out, dude. 2015, I got shot point blank with an AR-15. You know, I got jumped when I was in hunts, dude, and got my whole face reconstructed. You know Good what I'm Lord, saying? Man. Like, they broke, they broke every bone in my face. I mean, this was just like a touch of the base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interview. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's so much more. My testimony goes so much more in-depth, dude, and just the shit that I've seen, the shit that I've done, the shit that I've been through. I OD'd three times. I should have been dead five times already. Right. You know what I'm saying? OD'd three times. I had my face completely crushed. Complete facial reconstructive surgery Lord, in man. 2008. That was the day before Father's Day, 2008. And then uh, two days before Thanksgiving in 2015, I got shot with AR-15 point blank. Who the hell shot you? 
uh chick i was dating it was kind of an accident and it kind of wasn't we had been up for like 13 days on a meth you know and she was trying to get me to uh go to sleep because we were supposed to be going to my son's girlfriend's grandmother's house for thanksgiving day yeah and shit just kind of evolved and you know the gun went off and this was, <laughs> but <laughs> You don't see too many people get shot with a two, two, three NATO round point no, blank in the stomach and live through it. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. I think I think I'm here for a reason, bro. You know what I'm saying? I think I think God's kept me around for a reason. Um, I'm still trying to figure out what that reason is. And, hey, maybe it's this juvenile awareness program. I don't know. Well, look, dude. But, I, I, I'm serious. I will. Uh, I'll start reaching out to some people over in Louisiana way, and um, see if we can get this stuff stuff going on. See what you need to do to get that going. Okay. Yeah, that would that would be awesome. Seriously, man. That, would, that would be cool. Hey, you going to come back on this show, man? Hey, man, if you want me to come back on. Fuck yeah, I want you to come back on. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been checking out your podcast ever since two weeks ago, three weeks ago, man, when me and you first talked. I I, I, Googled, I ain't going to lie. You know, I was curious. I Googled you. I've been, I've been, I've been watching you. So. He's yeah, like, who man, is this uh, son of a bitch? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so many scams out there nowadays, yeah. bro. When you were like, hey, man, you want to come on my podcast? I was like, man, let me see. Let me Google this guy and see. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I watched a couple of your shows, and I was like, yeah, maybe I will go check him out. Hey, man, I appreciate it. I, I am too, been- man. You're outstanding, truly. I ain't going to take no more of your time tonight, but I'm going to bring your ass back on pretty soon if you don't mind. I want to hear, hey, about, man, I I hear about this. Uh, I want to hear about where you got jumped and um, some of this other well, stuff. I sent- I, I sent you, uh, I don't know if you read it, but I sent you the links to when I got shot. And I also yeah. sent you the link when I got arrested in St. Tammany in 2016. Yeah. Cause it's kind of a funny story, dude. If you, when you hang, when we get off this podcast, I want you to go ahead on your phone, Google the worldwide search. Okay. And Google, Google minions, like the little minions cartoon character, Google minions shotgun. Okay. And my shotgun and my drug bus is the first thing that pops up on a worldwide search <laughs> from 2016 in St. Tammany. All right, dude. I got you. I got you. <laughs> Monroe, dude, I have absolutely loved this conversation. Yes, you sir. I had, I, had, I had fun, too. Thank you, Brett. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm gonna... All right. So that was episode number 84 of the Brett Johnson Show, Monroe Myers. And make no damn mistake, I love the hell out of Monroe Myers. He and I just clicked immediately and I enjoyed that conversation. It really made me, uh, it made me realize how much I missed talking to some of the guys behind the fence. You know, you don't have, uh, you don't have the distractions behind the fence that you do in the free world. And uh, because of that, you have a camaraderie with men that is hard to find any place else in our society except maybe the military. So um, it really sitting down with Monroe really made me uh, realize how much I miss just being able to talk to people sometimes. Uh, in free society, you don't really you're not able to do that as much. We've got constraints. We've got uh, things that are not really present when you're locked up. So I, I really appreciate Monroe talking to me. That being said, hey, love is a dog too, and and one of the things you're going to find out. The people who are turning their lives around, you'll see, and I've mentioned this in in previous presentations as well. When I was released from prison, they told me, hey, sit, sit down there, find yourself something you care about, find a job, and you probably won't recidivate. 
there's a lot of truth to that. So the question becomes is, are you able to find a job? Are you able to find something that you really, truly care about? And for Monroe, make no mistake about it, that dog, those dogs he's got, right there, that man loves those animals. And who can blame him? I've got a 25, 27-pound chihuahua. Yeah, she's got a weight problem. And I love the hell out of that animal more than most humans. <laughs> so I'm Brett Johnson. We're going to close out this show. How do we close it out? We close it out the same way every single time. Stay safe out there. Stay secure. Stay vigilant. More importantly, this is the Brett Johnson Show. At the end of the day, just do the right damn thing. I'm Brett Johnson. Thank you for listening. Until next time.